Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, I'm Trent Rush. This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels and 66ers baseball. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. I'm Tori Hunter Jr. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. What is going on, Angel fan? This is Dale Garcia from the All Angels Podcast and Halo Haven here for another edition, a uh, special interview edition of the All Angels Podcast. This episode, we're going to have two. Uh, interviews on it. The first one I talked to is Bill Shaken from the LA Times, and we talk about something that was a big story, I feel, in the beginning of the season, before the season started, and I think will be a big story after the season uh, is over. And I think that is um, the stadium situation with the Angels and the city of Anaheim and possibly the, the move to Long Beach. So it was cool to have him on the podcast, talk to him a little bit about what he feels is going to happen, the important dates where certain things need to be decided by, and also what's maybe holding Long Beach back from making a serious bid at at um, having the Angels uh, move over there. So that was a great interview. Then after that, I am going to play for you the interview I did with Jemai Jones, the number six prospect in the Angels organization, according to MLB Pipeline. We were able to catch up with him, um, talk about his slow start, but as of right now, great finish with Mobile, his first full year with Mobile, and his second full year at the second base position. But before we get to any of that, um, guys, remember the days when you're always ready to go? Want to increase your performance and get an extra performance in bed? Listen up. Bluetooth.com. That's blue like the color. Bluetooth brings the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Cialis and Viagra, so you know it works. You can take them you can take them anytime, day or night, on a full stomach or empty, and since they are chewable, they work twice as fast as a pill. So you can always be ready when an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from a little extra confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Most guys talk a good game, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in discreet packages. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the U.S. and and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they are cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first free shipment when you use our promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay $5 for shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code armchair to try free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank you. That we'd like to thank them for sponsoring our podcast. Again, uh, free shipment. Just got to pay five dollars for the shipping, and you get a free sample. 
uh, use promo code armchair. So like I said earlier, this is going to be the first interview of the day, and that is going to be Bill Shaken from the LA Times. My next guest on the All Angels podcast is LA's time, LA Times writer Bill Shaken. Thanks for joining us. Sure, happy to be here. Uh, you put out an article, you know, a little over a week ago, talking about the um, Angels' possible movement to Long Beach or the renewal lease. And in your article, you said now there's like three separate options for the Angels to go. Can you kind of go over each option and what that entails for for the Angels? Yeah, basically. Uh, last year, the Angels had opted out of their lease in Anaheim, and when they opted out, that meant they had only one more year to play. That was this year, and then the lease was done. Since then, they've talked to Long Beach about the possibility of moving there. Uh, it would be a proposed waterfront ballpark on what would be a pretty small space. Um, so that's option one. Option two had been, uh, well, you got one more year in Anaheim, so the city council in Anaheim said, you know what, let's let's extend that by one year so we're not up against a deadline negotiating. So what most people understood was that the Angels were done in Anaheim after next year, after the 2020 season. And what we found out last week at the city council meeting was that actually the language of the lease agreement applied not to the lease itself, but to the opt-out clause. And what that means practically is that the Angels are not necessarily done after next year. If they decide they don't have a deal they like in Anaheim or Long Beach, they can just stay with their current lease, and that extends to 2029. And that's important because there are some people on the Anaheim City Council who would like to say, you know what, if we can't make a deal with the Angels, let's just sell that land and make a lot of money, and we can develop that for housing or shops or whatever other needs the community might have. Um, but now that's off the table because the Angels have the card to say, uh, we're not leaving until we say we're leaving until 2029. Uh, so we're based out of more, a little more inland, uh, out of Riverside, California. Has there been any talk about if they do possibly move to Long Beach, how that affects you know fans out here getting, it, you know, getting to like weekday games and attendance numbers and all that stuff? Has that ever been an issue, you think, for the Angels? Well, it certainly would have to be part of the conversation, not just for people in the Inland Empire, but certainly for the main fan base in Orange County. Remember, if you go to a game in Anaheim, you've got the five freeway runs by the stadium, the 22, the 57, the 91, uh, and you have a train station in in the parking lot. Um, So there's options for fans to get there. If you put the stadium in Long Beach at the site Long Beach has proposed, um, while it's certainly a beautiful site, you'd have lots of challenges because the only freeway that goes near that site is the 710, and it doesn't even go right to the stadium. It dumps you off along the waterfront. And the only mass transit right now is the Blue Line, which is great if you're coming from downtown L.A. Right, yeah. It doesn't really help you if you're coming from Orange County. Now, with Long Beach, you know, again, being a possible destination, is that going to be like a uh, publicly funded stadium? Because, I mean, you have the, the L.A. Uh, stadium game bill, and that's privately funded for the Rams and stuff like that. Would, would the Long Beach one be pu- uh, publicly funded? Do you know? We don't know. Uh, Long Beach has not made their proposal public. Uh, what we believe is that Long Beach knows that it's sales tax, Uh, is about as high as it gets in the state. 
they're not going to raise the taxes on everybody to put a ballpark there. There are other mechanisms of public money that could be available. And we know from records released by Long Beach that the city has at least explored those mechanisms. Um, how much they would offer the angels and what the mechanism exactly would be, we don't know. Is Long Beach the only other city? Because when this first came out at the beginning of the year, uh, you uh, you had other cities kind of rumored about, like I think Irvine and, and like other cities like that were kind of rumored to be in the mix. Is, is Long Beach kind of like the only city besides Anaheim that's con- seriously considering uh, like an Angels relocation? Angels say that Anaheim and Long Beach are the only two cities right now. And, you know, a lot of people see these stories around the country and say, oh, the Angels must be looking to move and they should go to, you know, Portland or Montreal or Nashville or San Antonio or Monterey, Mexico or wherever. Um, But all those options would ultimately decrease the franchise value because you'd be moving to a smaller market. And as I'm sure you remember, uh, when Artie Marino decided that he didn't want his team to be called the Anaheim Angels anymore, he liked the Los Angeles Angels, uh, he spent millions of dollars in court to win that case because the city of Anaheim sued him. So obviously being in the Los Angeles market is very important to him. Uh, it certainly would be now and even more so perhaps if he should decide to sell the team at some future date since he's in his 70s right now. Um, so he's not leaving the market. Uh, as far as other areas in Southern California, uh, the last time this came up three years ago, he talked to Tustin, and I thought they had a great site on an old military base that they're redeveloping. It had all the transportation. Had a... Tustin said, hey, we'd love to have you, but you got to pay for it. And at that point, Arden Marino did not want to do that. Now, like you said, the, the whole name switch from, you know, the Anaheim Angels to the Los Angeles Angels, is, is that a kind of a, uh, a cause of tension between the, the city and the um, Angels that might be a reason why this is kind of dragging along the lease agreement? Um, so I don't know that there's any delay necessarily. Uh, the city had asked for an appraisal of the parking lot land, the area around the stadium that the Angels might develop just to see what it's worth, if you sell it, if you lease it. So they have an idea of the value before they negotiate with the Angels. But as far as the name change issue, the majority on the city council is pretty clear, and the city has this on its website, that they're not going to relitigate the name issue. They tried that. They went to court. They lost uh, the lease. Now, according to a jury and a judge, says that the Angels do not have to be called Anaheim. Um, the city can ask for that in negotiations, but it's pretty clear based on Artie Marino's marketing strategy that that's not going to happen. So I think there are two votes on the city council that would insist upon that being part of an agreement. I think there are five others that would not. So now in your article, you also mentioned a, I believe was a December 31st kind of uh, hearing or, or a time, uh, a deadline. Um, now talk about that deadline. What needs to happen or what could happen uh, on or before that time? Well, when the Angels got their lease extended, which it turned out was their opt-out window getting extended, uh, they have to give the city a year's notice if they want to leave. So since the opt-out provision extends to the end of 2020, they have to tell the city of Anaheim by the end of 2019 if they plan on leaving then. 
Um, in reality, I don't know how big an issue that is because if it turns out that they're making progress, then there's certainly nothing stopping the city from extending that window even farther if they want. Now, you know, in your opinion, what are the Angels going to end up doing? Are they going to stay in Anaheim? Are they going to stay in Anaheim and, and renovate Angel Stadium? Do you think they move to, to Long Beach? Well, and there's one thing you didn't mention, which is they could put up a new stadium in the parking lot. Right, yeah. Uh, where they are now. And that, that might be the best option of all. But you'd have to go price everything. Uh, Long Beach has already said their cost would be about $1.1 billion. And again, they haven't said who's going to pay for it. But um, you'd have to figure in Anaheim, the cost might be a little less because you already have the land. It's just a parking lot. You're not um, repurposing land that's used now for other uh, occasions. Um, but ultimately, I think there's two issues. One is uh, accessibility for the fan base. As we talked about, there's no question that Anaheim is a better site for that. Um, the other issue is money. And until you get a side-by-side proposal, which the Angels don't have right now, um, you don't know which site is going to be more cost-effective. You know, if Long Beach, for example, were to say, we'll pay a lot of the cost, and Anaheim says we're not going to pay any of the cost, well, that's something Artie Marino certainly has to figure into his calculations. Right. So uh, I just want to say thank you again, Bill. Um, go ahead and give people uh, your Twitter handle and, and where they can uh, read your stories. Uh, thanks. The Twitter handle is at Bill Shaken, S-H-A-I-K-I-N. And whatever stories I write, you can find at latimes.com. Thank you, Bill, again for your time. And, and look forward to see how this uh, stadium drama, I guess, whatever you want to call it, uh, pans out. All right. Thank you. Hey, what's up? Johnny Catfish here, ambassador for Groom Goon Beard and Body Care. Are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh? Do yourself a favor and do what I did and check out www.groomgoon.com. Groom Goon carries a variety of beard oils and beard and body soaps that will leave your beard feeling soft and smelling great all day long. Don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Again, that's www.groomgoon.com. And at checkout, use discount code CATFISHTHEGOON, all one word, CATFISHTHEGOON, and receive 15% off your purchase. Why choose Groom Goon? Well, because your beard deserves it. Listen to my show, The Punk Corner, on KJ Epic Radio, every Thursday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. My next guest on the All Angels podcast is the Angels' number six prospect by MLB.com, Jemiah Jones. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing right now? Doing really good, really good. Uh, thank you for joining us and after your game on Saturday night. It was, a, it was a really cool message to get that said you're willing to do it after the game. Um, I want to start with you. Last time we talked... Um, was the beginning of last season, and that's when you were making the transition from being an outfielder to uh, second base. 
um, after like pretty much now two full seasons of doing it, how how do you feel at that position? Is it you know is it coming back and, and is it something that uh, you enjoy the change? Yeah, I mean I, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, be, being kind of a newcomer again last year. I mean having my first year in the infield and starting it through high A double A in the fall league last year, I was I was able to get my first real taste of playing consecutive consecutive games at the position and being able to do that. Uh, uh, being able to do that really set up the the groundwork for this year. So, so this year I feel way more comfortable. I feel like I can contribute to the team more from a defensive standpoint and be able to execute the routine plays and then be able to go out of my way and get some balls that uh, aren't aren't uh, aren't routine. So, so just knowing that, I mean, the confidence behind the position, the the knowing that um, I can impact the game at any moment, especially being in the infield, uh, there's a chance that every single play that you're able to do that. So I'm just excited for the opportunity that Billy's given me and, and the answers have given me. So just got to continue doing it and continue to get better and working every day. Now, at the beginning of the season, offensively, you struggled a little bit. But as of late, I looked up your numbers uh, for the month of just August alone. You're batting uh, 342, slugging 521, and was on, um, on base plus slugging 951. What what? was something that clicked or something that changed between your like beginning of the season struggles that seems now to be really working? Uh, just really tried to keep it short, just tried to shorten up and really just focus on, on getting the bat on the ball and, and not worrying as much as the outcome, just cautious oriented and making sure that I could control everything that I can control. And if I did that day in and day out, I knew that I would eventually go up on the upswing. I mean, everyone looks at it. They're like, you're struggling to begin with, you're struggling to begin with. And, and, you know, not every single writer's at the game. Not every single person that's looking at a stat line is checking in and watching. And, you know, they only get a paper box score. But, I mean, I was hitting balls hard early on. They were just getting caught. I was having competitive ABs and, and just getting unlucky. You know, uh, it happens. Uh, a bunch of people go through it. And, you know, granted, I mean, I didn't hit as many uh, balls hard as I would like to early on. But just really just tried to stay focused and knowing that, you know, I'm eventually going to go on the upswing at some point and just controlling what I can control day in and day out, giving my best effort for the guys behind me on the field and giving the best attitude in the dugout, trying to keep, keep level-headed and not, not get too high or too low, even if you're you know, hitting 400 with 20 or you're hitting 40 with none. <laughs> just trying to, trying to stay level-headed and, and even killed throughout the season because it's a long season. I mean, you can see a lot can happen. There's a lot of games to be played, and, and just knowing that, I mean, just wanted to stay calm and relaxed and knew that I had a, a lot of games ahead of me. Now, baseball, everyone says baseball is more about how you deal with failure. So when you do struggling, maybe some balls aren't dropping, even though you felt like you got a, uh, got a hold of them. How do you keep yourself in the right mindset to, um, kind of like you were saying, just trust the process, trust the process, and, and keep on going? It, it just stems back from from knowing that there's a lot of games to be played and that there's always the game the next day. No matter what happens, if I if I square four balls up and I get no hits or, you know, I, I don't square up any balls and I get some hits, it, baseball evens out. But if you allow that 0 for 4 to turn into an 0 for 8, and that 0 for 8 to turn into an 0 for 16 and allow it to build up on you instead of just trying to pick a, pick at it one, one day at a time, one A-B at a time, and little by little you start to get better and better and better. And, you know, next thing you know, you're, you're raking – and, and everyone's like, oh man, he just he's just doing him. So so the biggest the biggest thing is is just trying to 
minimize the the picture. Everyone wants to look at, oh man, I want to end at 300 and I got to do this, this, and this over the next few months to, to really be successful instead of just taking it day by day and being able to go, okay, if I just have five quality ABs today, that doesn't necessarily mean I have to get five hits. That doesn't necessarily mean I have to have five barrels. Just five quality ABs where I swung at the pitches that I wanted to swing at and did not swing at the pitches that weren't in the zone, then I'm going to set myself up for the biggest margin of success that I can throughout a game, throughout a week, throughout a month, throughout a season, because I'm controlling everything that I can from my standpoint. I can get a pitch in the zone. I can hit it really hard. It could be the perfect launch angle, exit deal, everything, and a guy makes an unbelievable play, and, and I'm out. No, that's but a at great – time, it's not it. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, continue. No, please continue. No, I was saying that's a great kind of mindset to have, especially, um, you know, uh, when people aren't, like, again, like, like what you said earlier, people are just kind of looking at the box scores and aren't looking at the at the process behind it because, you know, you are immobile. And for Angel fans that want to keep a kind of eye on the, on the prospects, it's hard for them out here in California to kind of, um, you know, be aware other than just what's on the computer screen on a box score or whatever like that. So I, I, that's a great, I think, mindset to have with, you know, not just you, but I've talked to Brandon Marsh and he's kind of the same way with, with his you know process and, and just kind of going out there and more, how do I feel more so than just the kind of results of, of, of the at-bat or anything like that. Right. I mean, I, I had several talks with, with, you know, several guys in the front office and throughout the organization that, just told me to continue to do what I was doing, control what I can control, and and just bring the same energy every day because at some point it it would go on the upswing. So I was just glad that I could do it, do it now, and just trying to finish the season strong. It's it's not about how you start; it's about how you finish. And I know that everybody says it, and it's a cliche and everything, but but I believe it really truly is how you finish, and you can take that into the next year and start hot. So. I- for I don't know how much you were aware of it or or have heard about it before you got drafted. But the Angels farm system, you know, probably five six years ago, wasn't necessarily um, good. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the uh, rankings had them, you know, last or close to last. But now with the new influx of talent, uh, including yourself, including Brandon, including Joe, um, to hear someone like Mike Trout at his press conference when he signed the extension, saying that one of the main reasons why he did was he saw the the talent coming up through the system and to be part of that, how does that make you feel? Uh, it makes me feel great. I mean, the last two spring trainings, I got to play aside Mike and, and he's an unbelievable guy just as much as he is an unbelievable talent on the field. So hearing it come from someone who undoubtedly in my mind is the best player in baseball, it speaks volumes. It speaks volumes to every single person in the front office of the angels doing their job with the amateur scouting and making sure that they're going after guys that they think have a big impact in three, four, five years. And also a kudos to every single person who works in the organization from a strength side, from a training side, from a medical staff, even to a so much as a video guy throughout various affiliates in Arizona, that they're doing their job so well that our, our organization is able to go from, what people claimed to not have a lot of talent to now everyone's starting to wonder what's going on over the, on the angel side. And we're getting praise from guys like Mike Trout. It's a, uh, it's an honor. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a player that I definitely want to play side by side with on, 
on the field at some point that's not in a spring training game that I'm actually able to get the chance to learn from a guy like him, learn from several other guys on, on the big league side, Simba, Otani, Tommy, Up. I mean, I could go on and name the entire team and go on and name several people that have that have impacted the game and impacted the Angels organization that I would love to play aside or love to play alongside with. I mean, that's the end goal. That's the goal that I want to attain, and hopefully it's in uh, the near future. But for now, just control what I can control, and whatever happens, uh, if I'm meant to be there, I'll be there. If not, then I guess we'll figure out uh, what's the next step. Yeah, for us that have seen you kind of grow through the system, I first meeting you at uh, Inland Empire, now seeing you do it at Mobile, um, it's awesome to see the guys kind of almost like graduate to different levels every time. Um, one thing we like to do also on the podcast is ask these guys who we who we talk to, especially the prospects, kind of like their draft story, draft draft day story, if you will. So you were drafted uh, the second round in, in 2015. Do you remember that day, the day lead, or you know maybe days leading up to it, and and how you felt? Uh, yeah, uh, I literally can remember like it yesterday. Um, I was about as nervous as I've ever been in my entire life. <laughs> and, and everyone talks about, you know, draft day is such a great day. And draft day is is the day that ultimately changed my life for forever. But but nobody ever talks about the nerves and no one ever talks about the anxiousness and all the emotions that you're feeling as, as someone who could potentially get a chance to not only live out their dream, but also get a chance to get their first taste of, of being an adult at, at the age of 17. So my junior year of high school, I was fortunate enough that my brother was able to get drafted by the Lions uh, at Notre Dame for football. So I was able to talk to him and kind of see how he was on his draft day and the emotions that he felt and kind of talk through everything because, because I knew that there was a, a chance that I could and I wanted to try and mentally prepare myself for, for the events to come. So after that, a year later, uh, June 7th, I'm, I'm sitting there at, uh, at a guy that I consider my grandfather. His name's uh, Tom Hare. He was my summer ball coach all throughout uh, my life, and he's still one of the most important people in my life. Uh, I remember sitting at his house. Uh, my travel team's over. Some of the guys from my high school team are over. And I have my family there, and draft day starts. You know, guys are going off the board. Guys are going off the board, and I'm sending out text messages to my buddies who are going. I'm making phone calls to my buddies that are going, and and seeing their dreams being being turned into a reality. Just draft pick after draft pick after draft pick, and uh, you know it's getting late. Uh, my my oldest brother called me. He was like, "Hey, I got practice in the morning. I got to get some rest, but we're gonna try and stay up as long as we can." And uh, you know, it gets to about pick 60 I see my buddy uh Nick Nider go I give him a call I'm freaking out and a little later uh, I get a phone call around like pick 64 ish and I was like oh man I'm free like I'm, I'm my hand was shaking I was sweating I was freaking out uh my agency calls and they say hey Jam how you doing and I'm like honestly I'm terrible right now <laughs> I'm, I'm freaking out I'm nervous I'm not eating like everyone's having a good time and I'm over here uh in the back room trying to just just breathe and just have a moment to myself before all the commotion starts you know every single tv's on every single tv's turned up volume wise and 
and I, I removed myself from the room to pick up this phone call. And he said, Hey, uh, I'm hoping that this will take some relief off your shoulders. If you don't get picked, pick 69 to the A's, he's like, you're going to go pick 70 to the angels. How does that sound? And, and I didn't, I remember not saying anything probably for the first five seconds, uh, <laughs> the first five seconds after he told me that to just get my mind on what I was going to say next. Yeah. I, I felt like I went brain dead for a second. <laughs> he was like, you good? I'm like, yeah. Like that's, I was like, that's amazing. I can't tell you how excited I am. And so I hang up the phone. I walk back into the room. Everyone starts talking. What's going on? What's going on? Tell me, tell me. I didn't say anything. And, you know, my mom comes over and she's like, what's going on? And uh, I'm like, just wait, it'll happen soon. So she starts freaking out. One of my best friends I grew up with comes over. He's like, dude, you got to tell me, like, I'm your best friend. Like, yada, yada, yada. And uh, I told him, I was like, guys, uh, this next pick, um, I'm going to go to the Angels. And so everyone takes out their phones and... Uh, Starts recording in bed and everything, taking pictures. Yeah, they, <laughs> they start recording and everything. And they stand up and they're like with the 70th pick of the, the uh, 2015 amateur draft. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim select uh, outfielder Jemai Jones, and uh, that was that was it. Uh, my heart my heart was beating out of my chest. Uh, I finally felt relieved. I ate a, several plates of food, and uh, I was able actually to just I mean I couldn't I couldn't keep the smile off my face. So just the fact that they were able to give me the opportunity to do that it it uh it definitely makes me happy and I and, you know I owe the angels a lot for for getting me where I am today and being able to ultimately live out my live out my dream of playing professional baseball and hopefully one day play in the uh major leagues for a while no that that's a great story that's a really good story to hear all the excitement and the kind of almost anxiety behind it right before uh you know you get your your name called um so something else we do too, we like to get to know the players and like kind of almost like inside the clubhouse a little bit. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you is um, all your teammates, whether it's here in Mobile, Alabama, or uh, Inland Empire, or even, you know, lower levels, who would you say is the funniest, funniest teammate you have? Oof. Oh man, that's a hard one. Funniest teammate I have. The, one of the funniest guys I think I've ever played with might be uh, Nate Burtness, a uh, left-handed pitcher okay. out in NIE. He was one of the guys. He's uh, actually we have the same birthday. Okay. So we've been we've been together since 2015 through AZL, ORM, furlough, IE, every year together. And uh, he's he's one guy that no matter no matter how bad he gets, no matter how bad the situation personally that you think you could be having he just he brightens your day he says something 20 something something that just gets your mind off of it completely and and uh i love having him in the in the locker room he he's not only a competitor on the field but he he definitely makes everybody laugh uh another guy i mean obviously brandon marsh is yeah he might, he might be one of the funniest guys i think i've yeah. played with as well i mean i've known brandon since we were oof, since we were 10 years old um I mean, grew up 30 minutes away from each other. I consider his family family and uh, just love spending time with um, his family and him. And he, I mean, I lived with the guy and he just absolutely 
busting my chops, man. I, I love it. It's hysterical. But, but I would say those are those are two guys that uh, I feel like a lot of people would agree on that are that are pretty funny in the locker room. Yeah, that's great to kind of hear the guys that kind of lighten things up. Um, how about best dressed? Oof. Oh man, uh, for <laughs> for for my own for my own bag, I'm gonna save that one. <laughs> and, and, uh, All right. Not say, not say any names. I do not feel like having bad blood with anybody. Well, then this, but, um, this this next one might be a little harder than then Who you think is the worst dressed? Oh, I mean, I, there there hasn't been there hasn't been anybody that I that I played with that I've I've just absolutely um disliked, and and I, I'm honestly saying that. I mean, it's it takes a lot for me to dislike you as a as a person, I no, mean, you have to do something that's pretty off the wall. Not, not as a person. I'm just saying worst dress. Like, when you wear something, he just kind of oh, like, oh. worst, worst dress. Oh, yeah. Said, no, no, no. Worst... Said, like, fuck that. No, no, that's cool. No, worst um, dress. Like, if someone puts something on, you're like, dude, really? Are you you're wearing that out or something like that? Is there anyone that sticks out in your mind uh, with that? Ah, worst dress. No, there really hasn't. You don't have really really anybody that you just look at and you're like, God, are you serious? Like, are you even trying today? <laughs> no. Um, no, but I, I will say one of the best dressed guys that, that I've ever played is uh, easily Roberto Baldacine. That yeah. dude mm-hmm. is able to, he's able to make a, a pair of trash bag sweatpants look good. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so no, that dude, dude's got a lot of, a lot of confidence in what he wears and he, he wears a lot of clothes that is very, very him, very stylish. I mean, he, he definitely likes to look good, and, and he, he does a great job at it. Um, off the field, I mean, he's a great teammate. He's a great person to to have in the locker room. Another guy that um, I've been fortunate enough to play the last, last two or three years with and, and really get to know him from the, the Latin player side. I mean, not, not many people get to say they have a, a great relationship with the Latin players, but, but he's definitely amongst a handful of, of Latin players that I really do um, – love being around and love spending time with and, and definitely by far one of the best dressed guys I've ever met. So now the season in Mobile's probably what, like a week a week away from being over. Um, off season plans. What are your plans? What do you do to kind of get away from baseball maybe for a little bit before you start kind of training again? Is there any vacation, trips, um, going to go see a football game in New York maybe? Anything like that in, in, in uh, ahead of you? Um so so ahead of me, uh, I mean, probably thirty thousand rounds of golf. Um, I, I absolutely love it. Nothing is more uh, frustrating as a sport and and fun as a sport as, as golf is. I mean, outside of baseball, obviously, but but golf, the ball is just standing on the tee, looking you in the face, and you just got to hit it in the fairway. I'm a, I'm, point A to point B kind of thing. Yeah, I'm an avid golfer too, so I, I know exactly what you're talking about with that. Uh, no, I mean, I started golfing about two and a half years ago um, and finally invested, once I knew that I was actually going to to play it a lot more, uh, invested in a really good pair of clubs, really good set of of everything uh, that I wanted and that I needed so that I could honestly, if I'm going to pay, you know, money for a round, it's not just going out there and I'm hitting the ball, slicing it across 17 fairways and everything. So, uh, but a lot of golf. And then uh, I will definitely be going to see uh, my brother play some up in New York uh, this season. I mean, 
I love going to see him play. It's one of my one of my favorite things is as a, a little brother is doing going to various places that I've never been before and and just seeing my my older siblings and doing doing the one thing that they love. I mean, regardless if it is it is sport oriented, just being able to go out and visit uh, family has been. I mean, it, it's usually one of my favorite things to do in the off season. I don't get a lot of time during the season, obviously, to to talk to them or to be around them for for birthdays or holidays and several other important things that our family does during the season. So uh, I try and spend a lot of time with my family during the off season because I mean they they mean the world to me. I wouldn't be here without them. Um, I wouldn't be there without the lessons, the support, and the the everlasting love that they've given me throughout my my 22 years of life. And uh, so so being able to spend time with them is is easily one of my favorite things favorite things to do. But uh, I don't know. Who knows? There might be a, a pop up trip that my my girlfriend and I will will go around and and go see or do something together. Most likely be on the fly. We're both very indecisive people when it comes to choosing a place to eat. So choosing a place to go vacation is a, a little bit it's just worse. It's a tad harder, but yeah, it's a tad harder. But uh, we'll but we'll definitely choose a place to go and uh, have a good time doing it while uh, while I'm home. Awesome. So last question I want to ask you um, again. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Uh, last question. Best advice you've gotten from it could be teammate, coach, family member, just best advice when things start getting a little rough, you kind of lean towards um, that kind of help you get through it? Uh, the best advice I, I think I've ever gotten um, has probably come from uh, one of my older brothers. Uh, they, they both have said it multiple times. I mean, my dad said it several times out throughout my career sports. My mom said it. And uh, j- just to be just to be me, at the end of the day, no matter what, all cards are on the table, backs against the wall. I'm going to go down being Jemai Jones and not trying to imitate or be someone that I'm not. Um, and that goes into all aspects of life. That goes into the people that I choose to hang around with, the the, the food that I choose to eat, the just any little expense I I choose to buy that I'm not doing it for for somebody else and I'm not doing it to be somebody else and the sport that I play, I'm not playing for, for somebody else, but I'm, I'm just playing out of the pure enjoyment of the fact that, that it, it's just me to the core that I, I play this game of baseball because I love it because I couldn't see myself not playing it because I wake up every day and, and think about it. it. It's something that I've want, I've devoted my entire life to and um, would glad, gladly not change a thing that has happened. So, so knowing that, I mean, just to be myself, just to be Jan Jones and, and go throughout my entire life doing so, the people that, you know, have my best interest in everything, that have my best interest in everything will, will like me for me and will, will accept me for me. And the decisions that I make are, are for what I think is in the best interest of myself, my family, and, um, myself, my family, and for those that I hold dear to my heart. So, so knowing that it's, it's, uh, the best advice is just be you at the end of the day. Awesome. Thank you very much again, Jemai. Uh, good luck to you for the rest of the season and moving on and, and, uh, hopefully run into you down in Tempe for spring training next year. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You have a good one. Thank you. You too. 
So again, I'd like to thank Bill Shaken and Jeremiah Jones for taking time out and talking with me today on the podcast. Uh, Bill had a lot of great information about how the stadium situation is probably going to play out in Anaheim uh, between the Angels and the city of Anaheim. And also Jeremiah for letting me catch up with him, talking about his time with the Bay Bears this year. He struggled at the beginning, but has really turned it on offensively um, towards the end of this year and has probably about another, I would say, two weeks, week and a half left of the season and really, really interested to see how that is going to go for him into the future. A guy that is definitely someone to keep an eye out for and definitely um, can see in the majors, hopefully soon with the Angels, um, because he's definitely a hard worker and you can tell by his how he is that he's just a great guy to talk to and a great guy to be around. But before we go, um, football is back. AB is in Oakland. Le'Veon is with the Jets. Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry have teamed up again in Oakland. One thing that hasn't changed, though, where I'm placing my bets this season. My bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of a huge cash pool prize. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that have been good to me. That's why my bookie is always the right play. You bet, you win, they pay. My bookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They've got the most reward player perks in the business. And for you fancy guys out there, you can even bet the under over on how many fancy points a player will score each game. And right now, my bookie will double your first deposit up to $1,000. You put in $100, and my bookie will give you an extra $100 to gamble with. So, obviously, the more you put in, the more they give back. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. MyBookie.ag. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G. And don't forget to use the promo code CHAIR and when creating your account to claim your bonus. Terms and conditions apply. Bet, win, get paid. Again, thank you, MyBookie, and thank you to Bluetooth for sponsoring the podcast. Um, we should be back next Thursday for our regular scheduled podcast. But until then, um, we ask you guys to follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Halo underscore Haven. And we also ask um, for any comments, questions, anything you want to kind of get off your chest. Let us know. That's at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Allangelspodcast at gmail.com. And help us out. Spread the word of this podcast. Rate, review, um, on iTunes, help us get it out there. Five-star reviews means we're doing something good. If there's something we can do better, let us know. Again, easiest way to contact us are on our um, social media pages and our email. So again, halo underscore haven on our social media and allangelspodcast at gmail.com on our email. Um, But thank you again, and we will see you next time.
As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.